Hello everyone, nice to have you back for the next episode of our VR Days Europe VRTL podcast series. It's only a few days left before the actual event kicks off, so check out the website and get your tickets. With me today is Hazraf Dulul, better known as Haz. He's a filmmaker who started as a visual effects supervisor on feature films on TV before making his directing and producing debut with his hit indie sci-fi feature film, The Beyond, which was a commercial success on all VOD platforms before being licensed by Netflix. This led to his second feature film, 2036 Origin Unknown, starring Katie Sackhoff, which got a limited theatrical release in the US and is currently also available on Netflix. For television, he directed the pilot and three other episodes for the Disney Plus series Fastlane, where he also served as an executive producer. He's currently directing animated feature films using Unreal Engine. Thanks for taking the time to join us, Hess. I really appreciate it. Thanks, man. My pleasure. And we finally (laughs) made it after a few weeks of back and forth. (laughs) Yeah, so... Yeah, because we had to reschedule this interview a couple of times. Uh, first, it was me. And secondly, it was you because you were in the middle of a project. Uh, anything you can talk about yeah. or is it still top secret? I can. I can talk a little bit about it. I mean, obviously, it's not released yet. Um, I am one of nine directors that's working on an anthology at the moment with a Canadian and LA-based company. Um, it's nine directors around the world and I'm the London-based one. And we are directing 15-minute episodes that's going to join up into one feature film. So it's an anthology, basically. And mine is completely animated in Unreal Engine. So that's what I'm really busy on at the moment. And it's um, exciting because there's a lot of these anthologies out there, you know, like Love, Death and Robots is one. But also you have anthologies like VHS1. And there's quite that's usually a lot of it in the horror genre. This is science fiction. So um, it's great Mm -hmm. to be it's great to be making films in the current climate we're in. So yeah. Yeah. Where does that passion for science fiction science fiction come from? You know, it's interesting. I think it was when I was like age 12, my dad bought home a VHS copy of Blade Runner. And I remember like him putting it on and I was like head explode. Like what is this? <laughs> this is like I mean being 12 years old, I didn't know there was uh, there was a job in making movies, right? I was just like Whatever this is, I want to be part of it. And yeah, as I grew up, I went to school, college. I would constantly be drawing science fiction, reading as much science fiction material. Um, and it just became this this thing. It made sense for me to make my first movie as science fiction. Yeah. Yeah. So like I mentioned during the intro, you started as a visual effects artist before becoming a filmmaker. Can you talk a little bit about the the transition you made? Sure. Um Well, it's interesting because I've always wanted to be a filmmaker since I was young, but I didn't go to film school. So for me, visual effects was my film school. So in VFX, you know, I worked on movies like The Dark Knight, Hellboy as a compositor, um, and then moved up to becoming a visual effects supervisor and a VFX producer, working on Discovery shows, BBC History Channel shows, and won a few awards. And seeing that entire process in filmmaking where from starting off doing the computer graphics to being on set, working with the director, and then for television, working with the showrunners and executives, you really get a good understanding of what it's like to make a film and be on set. So during that time in VFX, I decided to make some short films, right? One of them went viral. And it was a short film called Project Kronos. So it was a fake documentary. Um, it went viral and um, Hollywood came calling and I, I got signed to a manager. And for like two years, I was in development, 
Um, but here's the thing. I found myself still working in visual effects. I hadn't made a movie yet, even though I've got an agent, manager, and there's a lot of press about my short. So around 2016, I thought, you know what? Screw it. I'm going to make my first feature myself and self-financed it. And that's what became The Beyond. And from there, my second film, the TV shows, and my production company. Yeah, <laughs> yeah because earlier this year, you directed and produced uh, Battlesuits. Yes. Uh, a pilot episode for uh, a CG animated series that you created entirely in and with Unreal Engine. Uh, I read an article in which they described it as a virtual production on budget. Could you give us some insights on how you have put together this with the team of three? <laughs> Because that's not a lot. Lots of coffee. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, I think what it is, is basically the comic book company, T-Pop Comics, a guy called Neil Gibson, who is the writer of the graphic novel, as well as the owner of the company, he reached out to me via LinkedIn. And that's the power of LinkedIn. It really does work. He reached out to me and said, hey, listen, I'm a huge fan of your work. Um, can we meet for coffee? This was before pandemic, obviously. Um, and, <laughs> uh, and he was like... Um, Yeah, we were looking for directors to do proof of concept. We want to move our comic books into television. If you think about it, there's a lot of comic book IP in television. If you look at like Amazon, there's The Boys, which is a comic book. And you have Umbrella Academy on Netflix, which is a comic book. So everyone's moving their comics into television, which is a perfect time to do it, right? So they wanted me to do live action. They wanted it to be a live action. And it was an it was um a comic book called Theory, which have different stories. And I picked the story that that had big giant robots because I just love big giant robots. And um, <laughs> and they're like, great, but the money wasn't a lot. And I'm like, wow, you know, that's a bit of, there's no way we can do this for so little money. So at first I passed, but then I watched Love, Death and Robots on Netflix and I noticed there's a lot of appetite. People want to do animation. I mean, want, want to watch more animation, but also animation used to be very expensive to do. At the same time, I was doing previs. I was doing pre-visualization for my next movie, with the one that was supposed to shoot in this year, which we're not now shooting next year, uh, for obvious reasons. And um, <laughs> basically, I was using something called Unreal Engine, and I realized how powerful Unreal Engine was. And I'm like, why isn't anyone making content? So I went back to the comic book company and said, hey, what if we did it as an animated pilot? Now, at first, they were like, mm, I don't know, we want, we want live action. You know, animation is too expensive. I'm like, look, give me one week to put together a test sequence all in Unreal Engine. If you like it, then we go ahead. If you don't, that's fine. So I did it. It only took me two days, by the way, not a week. I told them it took a week. <laughs> uh, now they're listening to this podcast. They know. Um, but <laughs> I showed it to them and they're like, holy cow, like you did this in, in, like, in a week? This is crazy. Go off and do it. And that was how we're able to make it with free people because we're using a video game engine where removing a lot of the process that you would usually traditionally have in animation. Like, you know, you would have to build lots of assets. You have to go through different processes. Basically, there was no rendering. There was no processing of imagery. Literally, it was like making an animated film in real time. So I can move my cameras, create as many shots as I want, and just capture the videos and put them in edit. It's kind of like machinima, but much more higher level. And that's when I started to realize, well, There is a production model here. There's a way of making animated films now, democratizing the animation world in a way. Because back in the day, like it was only last year I was in Los Angeles and I pitched an animated show. And the producers like, no way. Need so much money. They wouldn't expensive. Even, they, yeah, they, yeah. Wouldn't even, they wouldn't even hear your pitch. Now they're like, holy crap, we've seen this Unreal Engine. Especially Unreal Engine 5 is coming out. And Unreal Engine is free. That was the beautiful thing. It's free, very easy to learn. 
you can download assets, make them your own, or you can build assets yourself, is what we did. So basically, the team only needed three people because we had one person that's doing all of the shots, all of the animation using mocap, motion capture, which is me. And then we had one artist who built all the assets, like the robots, the characters, the environments. This is Andrea. And then we had a technical artist, someone that had it was the pipeline to make sure things don't break, make sure facial capture of the face moves onto the character nicely. And any problem solving, that was Ronan Aitan, our technical. And then obviously you have your sound people and your actors who do the voices. So it's a very small team and it proved you could do something on budget that looks really high end and expensive for very little money and a small team. Yeah. Because talking about budget, if you imagine you would have done this same project 10 years ago, oh God, yeah. what would the budget look like then? God, <laughs> I think it would be five times, five, at least five times more, at least. And even though it's And the shift happened this year. Did the yeah. shift happen this year then? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I started using Unreal Engine last year around September to do previs, right? And for those of you who don't know what previs, previs is basically an animated version of the storyboard, right? To block out the cameras. But when I did previs on The Dark Knight, when I went on The Dark Knight, we did previs. It was gray. It wasn't very, didn't look very pretty, you know, and it didn't need to look pretty because it's just... It's just, yeah, you know, characters sliding across the floor. They're not walking properly. The camera, but it's to show where the framing is and where the story is. What I was doing in Unreal Engine didn't feel like previs. It felt like a first-pass animated film. And when I was showing this to people, they're like, cool animation. I'm like, no, 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 that's previs. And that's what really got my mind ticking. Go, whoa, hang on a sec. We can make films this way. Why isn't anyone doing this? Now, a lot of people are doing it. And there's a lot of filmmaker friends of mine that are doing that as well. And they're doing amazing work. And I think it's a time where... You know, because everyone's working from home and you, know, you, you have time to learn new tools, but also yeah, I think the true. fact that, yeah, and I think also I think Epic makes it so easy for people just to have the tool in their hand. You know, back in the day to do animation, you need to hire a big team. You need to have the right software. Software costs very expensive, like Maya, Autodesk Maya, you know, unless you're using Blender, which is free, which is amazing. Um, but everything is very expensive. You need the infrastructure. Was now, you know, you can just have a laptop with a good graphics card and you can create something that is pretty, you know, pretty good looking and have a good story. Mm -hmm. And if you, um, if you look at the future of feature films, how do you look in, at the production process uh, in particular then? Yeah, it's, you know, the production process would change a little bit like I yeah that think, will change a lot yeah i think so i think i mean look there's two sides when you're making feature film there is the production side and then there is the selling side and they're ju both just as important right and i think at the moment like you know when you make a movie especially with animated feature films there's a lot of financing you have to raise at the start of the project right whereas now you can build 10 minutes of that animated film with very little money before going to financiers, before raising equity finance and so on. So that puts the filmmaker in a better position because you have... It's like building your MVP, actually. Exactly. That's exactly <laughs> yeah. what it's like. And that's the big shift. And also financiers are starting to understand that. But also we're in a position at the moment where... We've got content, but next year, because there, there hasn't been a lot of production going on, there's going to be a demand for content. And no one cares how that content is made. It's the end result that matters. So, for example, the animated feature film that I'm working on at the moment, we never say, hey, this is a feature film made in Unreal Engine. We just say, hey, here's an animated feature. And then when they look at it, it goes, wow, this looks amazing. Like, you know, how did you make for so little money? We're like, we're using Unreal Engine. They're like, what? Using a game engine? <laughs> 
And that's the thing. There's a perception, which is why I never go into finance and say, I'm using a game engine because their mind will be like, oh, it's going to look like a video game. When in reality, <laughs> it's just, the, it's just the, yeah. the power driving the visuals, right? Yeah, it's true. Um, yeah, before we go to the VR days, uh, what's your take on virtual reality, actually? Have you done something so far in the, for yeah. VR? Really? Yeah, I, yeah, I mean, I, I was a big believer of VR and still am. And um, I remember when, when, I mean, I wouldn't say it's VR. You know, I played with things like 360 video for starters, but it mm -hmm. wasn't video I was stitching. It was CG environments I would render out, you know, using spherical panoramics. Yeah. And then I'll create interactive moments, kind of like point and click. Um, we also looked at, um, it was only last year, we started to look at VR for helping us make our movies, like location scouting. So the current movie that we're supposed to be shooting is set on the moon. It's called Luna. And so what I did was I built a moon landscape and I really wanted my actors or my DOP or my production designer to wear a VR headset and just to look around the moon and kind of start blocking out the shots. And for me, that's amazing because you're putting that environment into the actor's head you know, on, in the headset and giving them an experience before we go on the set. Well, also for financiers or producers to really see what this movie would feel like. And for me as a filmmaker, I can experiment before going on the location. So that's what we're using VR a lot for. And I'm thinking it's a very exciting way to use it. But do you see, uh, do you see yourself making feature films for VR in the future? Absolutely. Absolutely. For me, it isn't about the format or the technology. It really is about the story. Yeah. And with VR, it's about finding the right story that gives it a reason for the audience to immerse themselves in VR. You know, I'm not interested in taking a linear story and trying to make it for VR because that's not doing VR justice. For me, if you're making VR, you have to rethink your storytelling approach. You can't think mm. in a linear way exactly. and you can't force your audience in a certain path. I mean, you can cheat, obviously using the sound to make them look or certain lights. But for me, like, if I'm going to create a VR experience, I want the audience in a way to feel like they're deciding the outcome of the story. That's what excites me as a filmmaker, is to create a world, but let the audience decide the outcome and be immersed in that world. But do you think it's still too early to make incredible stories for VR? I don't think so. For me, you know, the best VR experiences I've seen are the ones that, are not visually attractive. But I don't care because I'm not putting a VR headset to be in a photo real world or to be in Ready Player One. For me, I'm interested in, in the experience. So when I put on a headset, if there's a blocky character moving around or, or primitive shapes, I don't care. As long as the experience, as long as the immersive feeling I'm getting is working, then that's more important. So I think there isn't an excuse not to make good story in VR. But I think you do get a camp of people that are trying to mimic live action film in VR. And that's where it goes wrong. You know, I think John Favreau, the director of Lion King, has recently did a VR project called Gnomes, I think it is. And it's very interesting because he takes the linear approach. But what he's doing is he's embracing that technology. He's putting the audience in the world that he's created. And I think that's, as a filmmaker, instead of worrying about what the plot outcome is, is firstly create that world. Create the world like you would do when you're making a linear film where you're building, you're world building, except you're not world building by forcing the frame to be what the audience is seeing. You're creating a world very similar to a video game. And it's up to you how you tell that story in that world. Mm -hmm. And I think that, I, th I still think we have a, a, a way to go, but I think the foundation of VR is here already. We just got to 
You got to make content. If people are not making content, the technology is not go- it's not going to evolve, right? No, that's true. It's chicken egg, as always. Yeah. <laughs> about the VR days, <laughs> yeah. what can we expect from your appearance there? What are you going to talk about? Well, we're still in discussion about my schedule for that, but my original intent is to talk about very similar to how I'm able to use Unreal Engine to create new experiences in filmmaking. So that is my latest project, Mutant Year Zero, which is a video game adaptation, uh, a film adaptation of the video game. So a video game called Mutant Year Zero, a big hit in, in last year. Um, I remember playing the game and it said made in Unreal Engine. I'm like, what? They made this in Unreal Engine? I can take their assets. And that's essentially what we did. We used their assets. So that was announced two months ago and we're going to go in production next year for that. We're casting, we're writing the script for that. But I'm going to talk a little bit about that process Mm -hmm. on how we were able to make a 4K cinematic sizzle trailer for a film based on a video game. And I'm also going to talk about how I'm using the same technology to create various transmedia outputs so like traditionally you make a film and it's done but you're using a video game engine which means you could make a video game level or you could create an immersive interactive experience using the same assets that you're using for the animation because you built the environments you built the characters right you just got to put a little bit more time to create an immersive so for me i'm excited yeah so you don't just create a movie you create a movie with an app or a vr experience or or, or an AI experience, because it's all using the same engine. And that's what I'm going to be talking about, how, as a filmmaker, I've expanded my stories to various outputs. Okay, cool. So I'll, I will most definitely be there at the VR days. I will I will cover the whole three days, or cover, I will be there for Amazing. three days. Definitely. Cool. I hope to see many cool. of you there as well. Uh, thanks for listening. Go and check out the VR days Europe and get your tickets now. Thanks for your time, Hess, once again. I think it was a very oh, interesting conversation. I'm looking forward to hear more about it at the VR days. Thanks, man. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Bye.